0: The Around the League podcast is on Coughlin Time.
2: Welcome to another Around the League podcast. My name is Greg Rosenthal in the host chair today for Dan Hanses, who is on vacation. But I'm joined still by a room full of heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wesseling, and handsome Hank Henry Hodgson of Dave Damashek football program fame joining us today. What's going on?
3: Thank you for having me, guys. I'm a long-time listener, first-time appearer. Excited to be here. It's good, good to, to hear. Isn't, yeah. isn't there normally another guy? Another one of you guys? There is. There is. He's,
2: yeah? he's taken one of them. his eighth vacations, I believe, of the year. His second during the preseason. During the week, you know, the busiest
4: week well, of the preseason, it predictable? too. predictable? Dan knows he's going to listen to this podcast, and within 40 seconds of opening, <laughs> he's going to be slashed by us for... <laughs> he is on what I have heard is a business trip in Nevada. Oh, in Nevada. <laughs> yeah. Las
2: Vegas. Really? Oh, LA, well. the NFL's favorite place. I mean, you were talking about your fantasy draft last year, how Hansis didn't show up for that either. And I was thinking, when are fantasy draft? Oh, that's right smack in the middle of our busiest time again.
4: That is a, uh, you know, Dan sat in remotely for last year's draft. It was two years ago <laughs> that he completely blanked. But last year, I had to step up to get a glass of water. I'm sure he has a different version of this story. I said, Dan, I need you to cycle in our fifth pick here in the right. draft. No problem, no problem. Come back, no pick has been made. We've been <laughs> auto-picked, Steven Ridley, which actually turned out to be our that's, one of the few a, productive exactly. players we had. So it's probably it's also, better than what he would have picked. Well, he, the reason he does it is because around week eight, when our team is completely crumbling, he's able to blame me for the draft process. That's so a, it's a smart move on his part. It's a veteran move. It's a very smart he's move. He's that type of guy. So, so far, Dan really hasn't
2: missed too much, but we have a ton of preseason games on Saturday this week. Hasn't been a lot of huge news during the week. One interesting item uh, today, which is Friday, was Felix Jones traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Le'Veon Bell
5: is hurt. What do we make about this? Looks to me like a tryout. Uh, LaRod Stevens Howling has an MCL sprain, so they don't have that passing down specialist who can kind of flare out in the backfield. Maybe they try Felix Jones in that role for a couple of weeks. I don't think he's guaranteed to make the roster by any stretch.
4: And it feels like with any of these trades that are happening in mid to late August, these one-for-one one player, we've seen what our, it's our third of the week. Do any of these guys have like a feel of a lock on the roster? It seems like all of them have about a week to prove that they should be there.
2: Adrian Robinson, by the way, was the linebacker sent to uh, Philadelphia. So, yeah, these guys, we don't even know if they're going to make the It just shows how quickly things change. Felix Jones was a first-round pick five years ago. Jerry Jones, by the way, said this offseason Felix Jones was a great first round pick uh and I think he was trying to make the same case for Mike Jenkins we got a lot out of Felix Jones
5: and he's so great that now he might be out of the league just a few weeks later so what do we think happened to him because I don't think he looked as good last year or the year before on film as he did previous did all the injuries just wear him down and he no longer is quick enough he averaged, What eight and a half yards a carry as a rookie? Well, that was his thing, wasn't it? And once yeah. that speed goes away, if you don't have it left
3: over, then um, then then there's not much left in your. You're career. very average, all of a sudden. Exactly. Right.
2: I think he was. I think he led the league or something like that in his first couple of years. He had a really high yards per carry. I always
5: thought he would bounce back. Uh, I guess it's uh, not going to happen. He's still in the top five or six active running backs for career yards per carry like <laughs> f- 4.8 or something like that that, that it is deceptive right. though
2: yeah no he is though I think he's tied for fourth with D'Angelo Williams I remember I was making that list earlier uh, this preseason and Felix Jones was there in the top five he might be out of the league now there was more running back news today in the NFC East which we're going to preview at length in just a few minutes but let's talk about David Wilson he's going to be the starter for the Giants
5: Any any big takeaways here I would say that out of all of the making the leap features I did, he is the one I feel most confident that will make the leap and become a breakout star. I just think he's um, he's up there with Adrian Peterson and C.J. Spiller to me as the most dynamic, like can take it to the house on any run kind of running backs. Uh, and in preseason, we've seen he's been playing early downs. Andre Brown's just coming in on passing brown passing downs basically. So to me, like it's clear they want David Wilson to run with this job.
4: He really just, when you watch the Giants play, he's one of the few players they have right now outside of maybe Cruz that just pops out when you see him take the ball. And I I think that they're smart because it's. It, I, I don't really care who starts in New York. It doesn't matter. It's like they're going to go with him and Brown. And I, it's like Coughlin's a guy, he, you just don't want to get on Coughlin's bad side and you'll continue to play and see snaps. But I think he's a very exciting player. And Really I don't see a lot to love about the Giants, but he is one guy that could lift that offense to a place it hasn't gone before.
2: We uh when we picked the making the leap candidates, that was one Chris was all over. We almost jousted a little bit <laughs> for the right to go with David Wilson and he won that. He wanted David Wilson and Henry's boy Lamar Miller, who's, you know, been singing a different tune yeah, this month, struggling exactly. a little bit.
3: But did we see this going any any different way? I mean, David Wilson there's so much invested in him. Was this not the inevitable outcome of, of this was David Wilson's our starter.
2: No, Um, I don't think so. And Andre Brown, people think it's going to be a split. I don't think. Andre Brown's been a journeyman in his career, so we'll see if he's really going to be a factor. And behind that offensive line, which is very injured right now, I don't know if either one of them is going to do that well. What do you think about that? (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on to the preseason games from uh, Thursday night. Patriots and Lions. The Patriots have been on fire this preseason, and then they go out. They're losing at halftime when the starters are in there, 16-3. They wind up losing 40-9. to Tim Tebow doesn't even get into the game. To me, that was kind of expected, uh, but is there any concern here, any big takeaways now that we've seen the Patriots for three games this preseason?
5: I guess you could say that the assumption that Brady is so good that all of these new, this new cast of characters is just going to fit in seamlessly might be a bad assumption. Uh, I, I, I'm i not really worried about their offense. I think they'll be fine, but there will be some stops and starts along the way. Um, and Ken Kimbrell Tompkins just looked great last night. Greg and I were discussing this during the game that he beat Darius Slay off the line, then he beat Chris Houston off the line. He's just so quick-footed and can get off the jam better than you would expect any rookie, much less an, an undrafted rookie. Well, and Slay's had a
4: rough preseason because I watched him get fried by Cleveland 2 weeks ago he didn't necessarily have a great night last night and I just think Tompkins is one reason every time people say you know the preseason is a waste of my time it's not real football well to the coaches and especially to some of these players like it's not just the preseason games but I look at Tompkins it's like the whole off season process has been slowly you know building him into what may be their best wide receiver this season at least the guy that up through now has like looked to be most in tune with Brady he's very been very productive and i think it's an exciting guy for them to unearth out of completely nowhere I think you're taking
2: a shot at me when you're saying those people saying the preseason. <laughs> oh, I think worthless. that's
4: what 95% of football fans just. I think that's what they say, isn't it?
2: Hank feels differently. He's a big Dolphins fan. For everyone out there listening that doesn't know, and he's living and dying with these preseason things. He's like, we're really going to learn what what Ryan Tannehill and everything's about this week going into the well, last. Well, part of
3: the, part of that is is psychology for myself. Since I have to sit through most of them, I don't want to be sitting there thinking I don't want to be here. <laughs> so at least I, I need to convince myself that this is a good idea. But yeah, I. I enjoy enjoy seeing preseason seeing young players like like you're saying that you know guys that step up I think it's interesting even if they don't do it this year you know you have a little thought about well that guy could do it a year from now
5: Hank you might be interested to know that Greg Cosell absolutely raved about Tannehill's uh last game on his podcast he had a great game he he used the word incredible four different times in one (laughs) sequence of talking about sounds like
3: Greg Rosenthal
2: yeah I mean Ed, the preseason's fun for, for guys like up Tompkins. I mean, yeah. going into the preseason, we heard so many good things about this guy that he's going to wind up starting, even though he's an undrafted rookie from Cincinnati. And you're thinking, well, this can't really happen. This is crazy. But right now, watching him, I mean, he looks like a veteran. He looks ready to go. Um, I still think the preseason, it reminds me, of, there's no predictive value, though, I, I still think in the preseason. I
4: think that's fair. I mean, it's hard to say. Oh, well, let's look what happened two weeks ago. Every team is using their offenses and defenses so differently. And Belichick, especially. I, you know, invariably Twitter was wondering last night are the Patriots in trouble? And I just think, listen, we we can take nothing that Bill Belichick does. In August, in in draw from it a conclusion about where they're going to be two months from right. now. Right,
3: I think it actually almost last night's game almost plays into Bill Belichick's lap because he now he's got something to rally his team around and get angry around and all that. I mean, as much as he said that it was dis- it was disgraceful after the game, I think he was loving it. He you know now he has a chance to really tune those that team up.
2: My theory on the preseason is much like when we go to. Our office uh, cafe the huddle for lunch (laughs) Mm. and and we get there and hopefully no one there is listening to this podcast and you get there and sometimes there's no line at all and you think it's going to be really quick but it takes a while sometimes it's packed (laughs) and you think there's no way i'm getting this meal in 20 minutes but it's right away and so you can look at all these factors that are going on and try to figure out oh is this going to take but in in the end you know nothing and you're just wasting brain cells trying to figure out ahead of time.
4: So the huddle w- is, is an analogy. interesting analogy. Well, yeah. The huddle <laughs> is another operation. The, the huddle as an entity has been <laughs> lashed on podcasts NFL wide because yeah. on Damashek he's gone on it. And you know what? I'm going to say it. They deserve it because you can't go <laughs> wow. in there. One day. No, listen. I I enjoy the product to some degree, but I have ordered probably a grilled cheese and French fries 35 times. It has never looked the same. <laughs> <laughs> and it has never cost the same, and it never. I'm going good. on record oh, as oh, stop. Uh, I wasn't well, no, trying to kill good. it. I was
2: no. just trying to say you can't really know what's going to happen before you go in. It's all. I'm it's, going on record as pro huddle. They do an excellent well, job. Well, very nice, my
4: Wes. We'll move on. On <laughs> uh, the other side of
2: that game, Reggie Bush got the ball a ton. The defensive line played well. The the offense has been a little scattershot. Anything?
5: Any big takeaways from the Lions this preseason? I have been calling the uh, Bengals the best defensive line in the NFL. And I think the Lions might have him. Mm-hmm. I think Jason Jones was in the backfield on every play I watched he last night. He was great last night. He's going to love playing with Sue and Fairley taking up double teams. Fairley's a beast. And he fits right in in terms of talking trash. Jason
2: Jones was, you know. That was really young, wasn't No, it? no, he did, but Jason Jones did as well In another time. They all were getting in Brady's face, but Jason Jones had a couple plays where you mentioned he got in the backfield and he was talking to Brady too. They really enjoyed crushing Tom Brady last night.
3: They did, yeah. It's funny, watching that game and then the other game last night, the Panthers-Ravens game, and both of them, the team that won, had almost nothing they could take away on offense that was particularly positive, but defensively, they they both had outstanding games.
2: So was there any concern about Cam or
5: Joe Flacco from that game? I'm concerned about Flacco early in the season, right? I mean, Stokely was signed 12 days ago and was his go-to guy in key situations last night. That doesn't bode well. Uh, The one rookie who looked good to me was undrafted Marlon Brown out of Georgia, and Harbaugh has kind of raved about him throughout training camp. He's a tall guy with with athleticism, and he looked to have a much better rapport with Joe Flacco than guys like Tandon Doss and Laquan Williams who have been there for a couple of years now.
4: And they made a point about Flacco during the game that, you know, he couldn't have done this three years ago, but at this stage in his career after what he's accomplished, he basically told certain coaches, I want – this guy, this young guy, out on the field with me. I want to test different combinations of receivers. And that's smart because they're going to be doing that week after week, I think, as the regular season opens. I think if you just look at
2: you know, some facts with the Ravens and you had said these facts going into the preseason, you, it would sound like they're in trouble. Number one, Brandon Stokely and Dallas Clark started their third preseason game. I mean, these are guys that no one in the league wanted. Uh, number two, their, their number one draft pick and their number two draft pick, Matt Elam and Arthur Brown, are not starting. And Brown is behind Josh Bynes, who was an undrafted rookie a couple years ago. At least he's kind of come up in the system. Maybe he's going to be a really good player. Uh, but Elam is behind James Ahedibo, who's who's a journeyman. Uh, so those two things. And then number three, I guess, would just be that receiver battle that everyone was talking about. It, there really hasn't been any young guy to step up. Maybe, maybe it'll be Brown, but I, I mean, I think... That from the preseason, that's some level of concern. Are you buying the Ravens, handsome Hank?
3: I'm not buying the Ravens, but only because I am buying the Bengals. So in that division, I think um I think the Ravens are gonna have a harder time than than they maybe have in previous years.
4: And can we talk about the Panthers for a second? Because obviously the defense last night was a revelation. I think that, you know, keekley in the in the defensive line is potentially special. If those if the outside linebackers can stay healthy, which is a complete question mark years on end, but Cam Newton is not to be doubted. But Cam Newton's offensive coordinator, Mike Shula, I just I understand that it's uh, it's vanilla time right now, and you're not going to show much. But I'm not convinced that he has much, and I I just don't. I look <laughs> yeah. at that offense, and I really question what can they bring to the table in a t- in an, in a division where you're going to have to score points to keep up with the rest of that division. I, I I have seen very little so far to
5: elicit confidence. I guess the um, devil's advocate here is that Cam Newton has been brutal in the preseason his first two years in the league. It's true. I right. remember that rookie year he was terrible. Yeah, I mean, he's been terrible. And then he comes into the regular season, he's got uh, arguably the best two-year start in the history of the NFL. Well, it, that's fair. They
2: could be a flip side of the team they were a couple years ago, which was a great offense— and a defense that was awful and then it didn't quite work out where this year I think you mentioned it. I mean that that front line uh, with the kraken and Charles Johnson and Low Tulele <laughs> and Kawan Short, I mean that that's a pretty good group. Low Tulele
5: and uh, short were all over the backfield last night just putting clown suits on the on the Ravens guards. <laughs> it was if you have if you guys out there did not get a chance to watch this game, go go back on Game Pass and watch Luke Keekley's first half. It was unbelievable. unbelievable. He looked like Urlocker. And it was a freaky
4: game, and largely because of that play where he shot through the backfield and created oh, was a fumble. Incredible. You could watch that 12, 13 times in a row. And Greg, Greg
5: hopped it. on instant messenger and said,
4: holy, did you see that play? <laughs> <laughs> it looked like he was in fast forward. He's
2: going to be one of the most fun defensive players in the league. And you know, Greg Cosell, who you mentioned earlier, said he thought he was the best middle linebacker in football by far in the second half of last season. And he and that kind of showed up that he's going to be a big star. And he's going to need to be, I think, because that offense has a lot of declining players or guys that haven't proved themselves. Steve Smith is their most reliable player. He's getting a little older. Greg Olson's good, and then after that it's a lot of question marks.
3: It amazes me that that for it seems like forever, Steve Smith has been um, their outstanding receiver and they've been looking for a number two receiver and they still haven't managed to achieve that. Oh, Just yeah. that. I mean that that's yeah. that's incredible. Much
2: less a number three receiver. I right. mean they got Ted Ginn and Armani Edwards. It's ugly. Uh let's move on to a division where there's a lot of questionable teams. This is a division that Bruce Allen, the general manager of the Washington Redskins said in a radio interview this week is the sec of the nfl and i'm talking about the nfc east of course first of all what do we think of the nfc east as a whole based off of that comment
5: there has been this blatant snobbery (laughs) from the nfc east who think they are somehow head and shoulders above the rest of the nfl and it just doesn't hold water there, uh, you mentioned this in the last podcast. Does does any of the teams in the NFC have NFC East have a defense or a secondary that would scare <laughs> any team? Crystal behind the glass, our producer is getting very upset. She's
2: flexing her muscles. She's she's not excited about this, how the how this conversation is going. I am highly upset as a huge Eagles fan all my life. We have always been a fierce division. Just because we go through a little bit of growing pains for the past couple of years does not mean that you can take away from our legacy. The Eagles were the best thing going in this division for about the last 10 to 15 years overall, but it's a pretty bad division. How many uh, Super Bowls do they have (laughs) to show for that?
1: (laughs) Why
3: does that always get thrown in our face? It's what, two in
4: 17 years?
2: Two in the last 17 years, but not only that, the the Cowboys have one playoff win in that entire time. The Redskins, arguably one of the worst three or four franchises in the league over that time because they've had almost no success. And then the Eagles and the Giants obviously got their two Super Bowls.
4: It, the NFC East, I, I do agree with the snobbery comment, and it reminds me of way back in 2000 when George Bush and Al Gore were running against each other, both trying to connect with the common man and the working man, <laughs> both who came from <laughs> enormous riches. And they described him as basically guys who were born on third base thinking they'd hit a triple. When they had just been—that's a great th- quote. Th- listen, this NFC East is what we grew up loving and watching as kids. Speak but they, for yourself. Well, I'm just saying you have to <laughs> you have to admire the division right. for what it was during that great run. It is not that division today. Henry, as a as a fan from the UK that somehow
2: fell in love with uh, the NFL from there, was the NFC East. Oh yeah the NS, I mean
3: I was thinking about as we we're talking about this if you look at the ratio of primetime games let's say over the course of a decade to to you know great actual great teams it's 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 way out of proportion i mean that that division that at one point you know you you, you heard them speaking as if they were going to go and form their own league you know, they'd be <laughs> like, the <laughs> nfc east is breaking away to create its own you know it was it was considered uh, that good right now let's see how they work out this season i think it's an interesting division to me this year at least in that it's kind of tough to predict how it's going to shake yes, out and that, that's always a fun thing but in terms of quality of those four teams not not the strongest division in the league by, by any stretch. Of the well, nation.
2: Henry's title here at uh, NFL.com is the director of the programming. What is your nickname? The Dop? Something. I, d- like- I
3: did not. I don't, I don't give myself something nicknames. like that. Well, he
2: really res- he really respects the numbers, and that's what the NFC East is kind of about. Even yes. though you can, you know, not enjoy the fact that the Redskins under Jim Zorn were on Sunday Night Football and Monday Night Football <laughs> seemingly every week for right. no reason. The reason is because people watch.
3: That's the truth.
2: The best-rated games are NFC East games. I think it was eight of the top nine uh, Sunday night football games of all time were Dallas Cowboys games. Um, And so people watch this division. They're interested. Let's start going around the room with our one question per team. Let's start with the
4: Cowboys, Mark. All right. I want to set this up because I believe this really tells us what we think about what Dallas accomplishes this season. We know Tony Romo's entrenched with that new contract. There's no question about them moving on from him. Will Jason Garrett be the head coach of this team next season? Wow. That's
5: – i I'm picking the Cowboys to win the division, so I believe he will Spoiler be. Spoiler alert. Not I've, supposed to give that away <laughs> <yet>. no, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I'm sure okay. everybody was on the edge of their seats waiting for my pick <laughs> on the NFC. I thi- I have confidence in him, but I, uh, he's probably the one coach most on the hot seat entering the season, isn't he?
4: Him and Ron Rivera. I mean, in the division, for sure. Definitely in that division. Yeah. Do you think he, Jason Garrett's back?
3: I uh, don't want to spoil anything, <laughs> but I may <laughs> also be interested in the Cowboys potentially um, theoretically winning the <laughs> NFC. Interesting. So I have a feeling that he would be back um, in that situation, but... I will also caveat it and uh, hedge my bets by saying if they don't i think if I, I think honestly if they don't let's say break nine wins, I think he's done
2: i don't think he's back, and i wouldn't be surprised if he's not coaching the team by December um, because I think the everything they did this off season with the defense is
5: a problem well that, they can't pull John Gruden out of the booth until after december <laughs> well i don't know you never know. But Bill Callahan's in place, and he's worked with Gruden before, and, and Monty Kiffin, too. That's So what they I'm saying, can yeah. have Callahan take over. See, I think he'll be it's back. It's kind of seamless. Like, I was, you always could see that next offseason. It almost feels comes like comes the, we, the wheels have already been, <laughs> Everything's been set in motion for I, Gruden to seamlessly trans, transition that, in. See, there. I
4: think he'll be back because of Jerry Jones, as delusional as he has seems to have become, I think he understands that a uh, Garrett is the kind of coach he can control year to year, if Garrett will stay there. I don't think he can bring in the big-name coach and make that work. He tried that. But but they have
2: to win, and if they don't win this year, I don't think there's any chance Garrett's back. And I think they really hurt themselves when they brought in Monty Kiffin, who, by the way, couldn't have done a worse job at USC, was pretty much pushed out the door in Tampa Bay his last few years there because they were struggling with the Buccaneers. Everyone seems to forget that. Uh, has a style of defense that have kind of gone out of date in the NFL, yeah. and now he has to transform all these guys. A lot of them were older and injured. Interesting
5: interesting that you mentioned Tampa 2 going out of style because, again, back to our man Greg Cosell mentioned this last week, that he, he has a theory that Tampa 2 will come back because of all the read option, that you need quicker, quicker players and playing closer to the line of scrimmage. And they have a couple—I mean, they have probably the
2: best, most exciting young linebacker duo in the league And Sean Lee and Bruce Carter, our number two guy on Making the Leap. So I like those two guys, but the guys up front, Jay Ratliff, um, counting on him to stay healthy is going to be tricky. Anthony Spencer, not sure what we're going to get. Let's move on to the next team, the Washington Redskins. So uh, I have a question
3: about the Redskins. There's a lot of optimism in Washington and elsewhere in, in the NFL that, you know, RG3's coming back, he's going to be healthy, and this team's you know, set for takeoff. What happens if RG3 comes back and he isn't the same guy? Or, even worse, if RG3 comes back and gets injured relatively quickly this season? Where do we see the Redskins going, and, and you know, is, do, do they have the pieces in place to win without RG3?
4: I think for the Redskins, we forget what their record was at some point last season. Wasn't it six. like three and six? Right. right. And Greg, I believe as a, as a around the league group, we wrote them off entirely and had to eat those words. But I do think that they also simultaneously have developed one of the game's better backup quarterbacks in Kirk Cousins. And if RG three can't sustain a sixteen game. Season, I don't think that the offense changes, no question. It loses some of its dynamic abilities, but it doesn't fall off a cliff. Some of my questions with the Redskins are more on the other side of the football. Um, I think that they have a plan in place if RG3 can't do it, but I
5: still don't see them as being quite as uh, impressive as they were last season. Right. Let me couch this by saying that I firmly believe in RG3. I think he'll be fine. I don't think the knee's an issue. I did see that Ron Jaworski came out today and said that he didn't like what he saw from RG3's mechanics, that he was off, the knee was causing him to throw differently. Um, But to answer your question, if RG3 is not under center for some reason, I think they fall flat on their face. I agree. I think they're the worst team in the division if RG3 isn't
4: playing. But you are are in... in the, in, in the camp of Cousins of thinking he's I a think capable. I think
5: Cousins is a fine backup, but I think they manage, they do a great job of managing him, the coaching staff right. does. He's more like, to me, like an Alex Smith type of quarterback. I don't think he's a difference maker, whereas RG3 is one of the few difference makers. Right, and gotcha. that
3: difference you have to make is making up for the defense, which just is flat out not that good.
2: Tom Brady wasn't the same coming off a of torn ACL. Mm-hmm. Why do we just assume that Robert Griffin III is, who's entering his second year, didn't get to practice, I'm worried less about the mobility and more about the accuracy. I mean, that was the thing that stuck out to me week after week. He might have been the most accurate quarterback in the entire NFL. It's, I mean, it's tough. It's tough enough if you're just going into your second season and you've, you're healthy and you've practiced. And, you know, you mentioned the defense. and the, I mean, Brandon Merriweather, they're still hoping, is going to play a role for them. And D'Angelo Hall still on that team. And Bakari Rambo, a rookie, is going to be playing safety. And there's not a lot to be excited about on the defense. Let's move on. To the Philadelphia Eagles. That's you, Chris Wessling.
5: So, we've seen in their preseason games, we've already seen Chip Kelly running some pretty exotic schemes. Um, But I saw Brent Selleck say this week, he can almost see the smirk on his face saying, I can't wait to unleash what we're going to do. Like, my question to you guys is just how much different is the Eagles' offense going to look than the rest of the league? Has have they been so vanilla so far? Even though we have seen exotic schemes, is Chip Kelly just going to throw the whole league for a loop? I could see it happening. I
2: mean, they're if if they're vanilla in the preseason, it's pretty interesting. They got four tight ends on the field. They got no tight ends some plays, and then four wide receivers stacked on top of each other. You don't know what's going on with that, and they're and they're playing
4: very at a very fast pace. I could see it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think we've like any other team, we've only seen a fraction of what kelly plans to do maybe what is even implemented to some degree what i love is the options that he's given vic and Foles on certain plays where it's like you can you can give the ball to the running back but there are four different targets within 10 yards of you that don't have a defender on them and you don't see what they've done anywhere else What my question really when i watch the eagles is how dunderheaded is the rest of the league that if it succeeds. No one else is copying it very quickly. Right, but we don't know if it is, if it succeeds. No, of course, yet. I mean it's great to talk
3: about exotic, and it's going <laughs> to be fun to watch. Don't you know, no doubt more reason to tune into NFC East games and put them in prime time. But does it actually translate into wins? I mean, let's let's just wait and see on that front. Because uh, you know a lot of coaches subscribe to that. I think it was a uh, in Hard Knocks. It was a conversation between two coaches, and I can't remember who it was saying. You know, it's all about keeping it simple, and that's the other philosophy that coaches have of like Marvin Lewis. You know, it was Marvin Lewis, and I can't remember who.
2: <laughs> Mike Smith, yeah. It was Mike Smith,
3: there you go. So, um, but you know, it's it's it, it's it's about keeping it simple. Now, is it really the case that like doing a hundred complicated things translates into you know twelve wins?
2: But the way the NFL works, you always got to try to be a year ahead of everyone. Everyone's going to the up tempo offense now. Um, everyone's going to figure out their own ways to defend the read option. You got to be a year ahead. That's what the Patriots tried to do, and we kind of knew what the Patriots were doing in week two or three of last year with this up tempo pace. And no one really caught up. I mean, they had a they had a pretty great regular season. So I think it's tough to adjust in season. I think if they come out and they're as exciting as we think, I think you know, sky's the limit, especially in this division.
5: They remind me, you know, I, I, that that's the one game I'm most looking forward to see that Monday night game just to see what Chip Kelly has in Absolutely. store. Absolutely, um, they do remind me a little bit of what the Redskins did last preseason, where they were just they slow played the rest of the league in the preseason, and then they came out against the Saints and just unleashed. This whole new offense. But they are
4: giving us hints, and obviously, like, Chris Brown wrote that one column where he actually sat down and, like, linked where you could see remnants of Oregon's offense, but also stuff completely different from that. And, yeah, if that's just a hint of what we're going to get, then you're right, that opening game for the Eagles and Redskins is a doozy. For, it's multiple storyline. Everyone's going to go RG3, but I think the real like football fans are going to see exactly what it is the Eagles do. And there's talent
2: here. There's remnants of a team that was expected to be very good. I mean, Michael Vick in the right system. You have LaShawn McCoy might be one of the best running backs in the league. I would certainly put him in the top three, I would say. Uh, you have a top pick at tackle,
5: Lane Johnson. You've got Jason Peters. I mean... Deshaun Jackson, who's had... Uh, from all accounts the best training camp of his career. Um, the question is the defense.
2: Can anyone name the Eagles defensive coordinator? Maybe I shouldn't do this. Is it even, it's Billy, Billy Davis. Davis? Yeah, okay.
4: Good. <laughs> See, we we know what we're talking about here
5: at around the league.
4: Well, uh, will he be their defensive coordinator, you know, 6 months from now, totally different conversation. It's good
5: to have a defensive boss named Billy. It's
4: <laughs> 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 so, not a lot of experience on on their defense. There there's a lot of
2: experience on the Giants defense in terms of the coaching they have. A lot of continuity, um, but my question is about the Giants' defense. And basically, it, do we think this Giants' defense is going to be a big liability?
5: Yes.
3: Well, it did. Li- it was last year. It gave up, I think, the thirty first most points uh, in in the league. They so
5: well Justin, unless anything's changed. Justin Tuck said yesterday or the day before he believes they could have the number one defense in the NFL, which means they only have to get thirty places better. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they're hoping something changed. I mean,
2: they, they brought in uh, Cullen Jenkins. They drafted Hankins in the second round. They're hoping
5: Justin Tuck kind of revives his career. I feel like the defensive line will be fine. I guess Jason Pierre-Paul is the major question mark there coming off of back surgery. But the linebackers were bad last year and look pretty bad this year. The secondary was too easy to throw on last year, and they still look easy to throw mm-hmm. on.
4: They always seem to get some crushing injuries in the secondary. Right. And this is like the sixth year in a row or something where their schedule is so rough down the stretch. They always give them this kind of cream puff slate up front. And then it's a, it's a murderer's row, and they're never fully healthy. And in the past, that's how they've, as a 9-7 and seven team, after starting like 6-2 and two or something, have snuck into the playoffs. I don't see them starting that way this year. I just think that there's too many liabilities on defense.
2: And this is pivoting off the defense a little bit. But let's say they go... Seven and nine or eight and eight? Are are we then back to talking about Eli Manning as just kind of how we talked about him a couple (laughs) years ago before he won the second Super Bowl and everyone was forced to pretend he was a top five quarterback? That is, (laughs) am I the
5: only one that thinks that? Excellent question because I thought the exact same thing. I think actually now he is he is the quarterback that people thought he was a few. I think he is tangibly better now than he was three or four years, except for that stretch last year when he had a dead arm. And he refused to admit it.
4: Yeah, and we can't just talk about. Oh, let's lay out the issues for the Giants. They're all on defense, and then when they go seven and nine, let's blame Eli Manning. Right. I think he was not the guy. He's not a, a two-time Super Bowl winner in the sense that he alone tugged them there. He played really well. He's, he's got big Justin time. Cor-
5: he's got two two of Justin Tuck's uh, Super Bowl. MVP trophies.
4: <laughs> Basically. I mean, there's like, you know, he's 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 a very reliable guy. He's not as bad as they're going to say is either if they cr- if they crumble.
2: No, for the record. I mean, I think he's very good. But I don't think when you're putting him up in that class, those are the types of quarterbacks that just carry a team right. and just make everyone better. And I don't think he's He's that not big. that guy. He's not that guy. If his
4: name were Eli Schaffenfrost, would he be, <laughs> or is it Eli Manning that helps him be put in that class?
2: He would not be getting the same amount of commercials no. that if he was Schaffenfrost. <laughs> I wish he was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go around the room and, and predict the division here. Mark, uh, let's start with you.
4: Okay, and it's weird because Wes and I seem to continually have the same records here. But uh, <laughs> I have the Cowboys winning the division at 9-7. and seven. Um, Interesting. The, the Redskins also 9-7 and seven, but missing out on the playoffs like the rest of the division. And I have the Eagles at 8-8. Eight and eight. I think they'll be a very intriguing team to watch, fun to watch. And then the Giants, based on what we were just talking about, I see them at 6 and 10, Oof. and I think the floor sort of falls out.
2: Wow. I think that would be the end of Coughlin's career just on his own decision if that yeah, happens.
3: Do does, does he get the opportunity to call time on his career? If it goes wrong this year, is he still, I think so. is he, he's, he can still say, I want out rather than being told, excuse me, Tom, we've just removed your office. I think he's <laughs> earned that. But
2: <laughs> I think he would want out is the thing. I really think he's so year to year right now anyways right. that I don't know if he'd want to be back yeah hank i know uh you know, you haven't been with us for the other predictions, but do you have some NFC's predictions? I do
3: have NFC's predictions. I want to say how much quickly I admire you guys, because as I understand it from talking to each of you, you've actually worked out your predictions by, work. you know, not everyone can be 10 and 6. Someone has to lose. So, congratulations. I haven't had to go through that, so I can just throw out whatever whatever I want. So, I'm I'm saying the Cowboys are going to win the division, and I have 10 and 6 next to their name. I'm going to say the Redskins are 9 and 7, and, and miss out on the playoffs. I think the Giants finish eight and eight, and the Eagles at seven and nine. So it's pretty yeah. close. It's going to be exciting. And that's, like I said Eagles. about about this division, I'm excited to see how it shakes out because I think it is it is all pretty tight.
5: I agree with it. I think it's a very mediocre division and it's a very even division. I have the Cowboys at ten and six, winning <laughs> the division. The Cowboys are the favorites. Suddenly, that's three for three. I don't think the rest of the country believes this, but just the three men in this this room. So far. <laughs> Uh, I have the Redskins also at ten six, but not in the playoffs. All right, Giants at nine and seven. The Eagles bringing up the rear at seven and nine. I believe the Eagles could in- easily finish first two. I just don't have any faith in their defense. Mm.
2: All right, I did uh, communicate with Dan this morning. He was just waking up at one in the afternoon, but he <laughs> texted me his prediction, so we would have him. For the record, Redskins ten and six from Dan, so he's the first person to have the Redskins repeating. Giants nine and seven, Cowboys eight and eight, and the fourth straight person to have the Eagles in last place with five wow. and eleven. I'm sorry, Crystal, but I'm gonna make your day right here because I'm going on with the Eagles and Chip Kelly. Forget about last place. I like them for first place as the surprise team in the NFC this year.
1: Greg, you're my new. Person. I've got to get to stay <laughs> in the host
2: chair now. And <laughs> that won't last long with
4: Crystal, trust me. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh,
2: I have the Giants at 9-7. and seven. Uh, Even despite the concerns, I just think the coaching's good there. Redskins, RG3 is not quite the same at 8-8. Eight and eight. And I have the Cowboys, led by a poor defense, going 6-10 and ten in last place. So yours
3: are exactly flipped from what everyone else had.
2: Apparently, yeah, we had 4 Eagles in last place, 3 Cowboys in first, one uh for the Redskins, yeah. I mean, this division, I don't think anything would surprise. Right, but I think the
3: one thing you do know about this division, that when it comes to the playoffs, this is the 4th seed and this is the team that gets knocked out by a wildcard team.
4: Is there any scenario where Chip Kelly is one and done? No. No. Why do we laugh that off like it's so impossible though? Is there it's it's it can it cannot happen? If he was three and thirteen, I don't even think there's
5: he'd be nobody. One done. The people above him aren't aren't smarter than him, okay. and they know it.
2: Yeah, like yeah. usually when they're the, in it, they're in it to win it with Chip Kelly. Usually at this when point. a coach
5: is one and done, it's because he's kind of a laughing stock.
0: Uh, well, I don't
3: Cam think
2: Cameron was one and done, and he wasn't no a laughing stock. <laughs> oh wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move on to the metrics matrix, America's favorite running segment about page views. Um, (laughs) (laughs) let's start if you haven't heard the game before I throw out three stories from the week that all did surprisingly well and uh, our guys are going to try to guess which one did the best starting off with Terrell Pryor is wearing the number two jersey formerly worn by Jamarcus Russell in Oakland that's choice number (laughs) one Number two is John (laughs) Moffat. Mark Savior in Cleveland didn't last there long and then was traded uh, from Cleveland over to Denver. John Moffat is choice number two. And number three on the list, New York Jets wide receiver. We almost went a whole show without mentioning the Jets with Dan gone, but here we go. Santonio Holmes is milking his injury, according to some Jets organizational members according to the new york post (laughs) so once again to review we've got daryl terrell prior wearing uh the number two jersey of jamarcus russell in oakland john moffitt traded to the broncos and uh santonio holmes milking his injury start with you mark
4: i'm gonna go uh moffitt because i think that seattle is huge in terms of readership and so is denver Henry, who should really win
2: this game every week because all he cares about is numbers. He doesn't even love football. He's just into the metrics. I'm just kidding. He loves football, but he's Um, into the numbers. He loves the numbers. numbers. That's
3: true. I am also going to go with Moffat. I think there's a couple of reasons, not least that it's the oldest story of the three that you just gave us the options on. And um, You're like the Greg Cosell of metrics. You come <laughs> in with like a completely different viewpoint. With a playbook. And uh, and so it's had more chance to collect um, page views. See,
5: now, i I got to defer to Henry a little bit on that. I wasn't even thinking about the... It's you been can up jump there on that bandwagon. Than, I'm not going to do it. You know, a trade story always does well, and a screwed-up trade story even does better, I'm sure. And Jamarcus Russell does well. I'm going against my mantra that the... that the Jets, uh, that fans don't care about the Jets nearly as much as the media does. I think when you throw in the term milking it, I think that's going to get people a little riled up wanting to read about Santonio Holmes. So I'm going with Santonio Holmes as milking his injury. All right, Wessling goes with
2: Santonio Holmes. Wessling, you are absolutely incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) But he won won it last week. I did. And uh, Mark and Henry... Had the same answer. John Moffitt gets traded uh, after briefly being a Brown over to the Broncos, and you guys are absolutely correct. You there got you go. it.
4: There you go. It had all the elements.
2: Henry, your, your prize is you can come back to the show anytime, and uh, you pretty much could anytime because you're kind of our boss.
3: I'm of? not your boss. That's not true. At sort all. of. But I would, I'd love to come back. If you invite me back again, um, and I will. in the meantime, I'll be listening to all your shows instead.
2: All right. Well, we've gone long today. It was a lot of fun. We'll be hitting the NFC North on Monday. We'll also recap all the preseason games on Monday for Mark Sessler, Crystal Rich behind the glass, Henry Hodgson, and Chris Wessling. I'm Greg Rosenthal. We will see you later.